90.7 WTCC. Good morning and welcome to the Spoken Word. I'm your host, Bishop Talbert Swan II. And as usual, we'll be telling it like it is through cultural idioms and nuances that shape the order, ethos, and chaos of the African-American experience. Words have their own vitality. They shape their own consciousness and create their own context for interpreting social and spiritual reality. The spoken word contains the power to reshape the landscape of society. It is six minutes past the hour of 9 a.m. And I want to thank Mr. Kenneth Barnett for bringing us up until the 9 o'clock hour with the promise. You can hear the promise every Monday morning from 6 a.m. To 9 a.m., bringing you the best in gospel music, a good way to start out your Monday morning, a great way to start out your week. And what a week it has been on the brink of war with Iraq, Iran, I'm sorry, with Iran. And I'm going to talk about that today. You know, there was a whole lot of talk by 46 minus one when Barack Obama was in office stating that he would start a war with Iran so he could get elected. He was going to start a war so he could get elected and how terrible it was for him to use the tactic of taking the nation into war for selfish political reasons. And then we turn around and who is on the brink of starting a war with Iran for purely political reasons. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the executive order that was signed purportedly for anti-Semitism and how that executive order actually promotes white supremacy. And see, that's what happens when we don't read. You know, we we look at headlines and we say, oh, Trump signed an executive order against anti-Semitism, but we don't read it and don't understand that it's an executive order that is anti-Semitism. Uh, that is against anti-Zionism, which is actually in support of white supremacy and not against anti-Semitism. So I'll I'll break it down for you um, uh, when we come back. So you you guys have to understand the tactic of the enemy is to use words to shape your thinking. So what they'll do is they'll, they'll promulgate legislation and they'll put civil rights something on the legislation and it will be completely anti-civil rights but you guys because you won't read you'll be dumb enough to think that it's a positive piece of legislation simply because of the title that's on it uh, without understanding what's actually in the bill and that's what we got with this executive order this so-called anti-semitism executive order so we'll be talking about iran war we'll be talking about the anti-semitism executive order coming up half past the hour uh, Senator Eric Lesser will be calling in, giving us a state house update. So we got a lot going on this morning. Tell somebody the bishop is on the air four one three seven three six two seven eight one four one three seven three six two seven eight one. We're streaming live right now on all of our platforms. We got Instagram going. We got uh, Facebook Live going. We got uh, Twitter slash Periscope going momentarily. We will have our YouTube going. So we'll be all over the place. So. 
um, all kinds of ways for you to connect with us today. So tell somebody, tell a friend, tell somebody the bishop is on the air. It's about to get live up in here. Listen, this song I'm playing, um, check out uh, T Swan, T apostrophe Swan. That's my son, T Swan Music. Uh, anywhere where music is streamed, he's got a new, um, some new music out right now on an album entitled soul food and so you want to check it out anywhere uh streaming takes place um um spotify itunes google play where wherever you get your streaming music from um you can check it out here's one that i love um it's called made me and in this song i figure i explain it so you get the understanding when you hear the lyrics um he talks about the difficulties he's gone through in life that made him the man that he is. The first verse talks about his best friend um, committing suicide uh, some years ago and how that affected him. Uh, and then the second verse, he talks about um, the difficulties in being the son of a pastor, um, the challenges uh, with having to walk a certain way, uh, with certain expectations being upon him uh, because of that station in life. Uh, you're going to enjoy it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Particularly one because it affected me drastically. I remember my sister gave me the call and I was in awe. Matter of fact, it felt the farthest from reality. She seen somebody post RIP with his name and I said, I doubt it's the same friend I had since the seventh grade. She said, I'm a calling sister and double checking. Called me back, said he hanged himself in his room and had been there for days. Initially, it didn't hit me, then it clicked and I remembered that I hadn't seen or heard from the homie all week. Wish he had told me what had him feeling lonely and weak. I guess everybody got demons we don't even speak of. Cause I was with him exactly a week before the call. Just under 20, he couldn't even purchase alcohol. My best friend for like six or seven years. I'm not ashamed to say I shed plenty tears. But it was hard, he was somebody I had plenty memories with. The first person I ever burned any trees with. The worst feeling is knowing that you would leave us. And all this grievance without a reason. One of the first people to ever believe in me when it came down to it. You knew you could call me if you needed me. Cause that information I wouldn't have ever imagined. It's sad thinking about it. I ain't happy that it happened, but it made me. There was plenty times when I thought that it would drive me crazy. But looking back on it, now I see all the drive that it gave me. I learn more about why I am who I am on the daily. I know it may sound crazy, but I'm glad that it made me. Yeah, was born the son of a pastor. He was who I was named after. Matter of fact, I even got some of his characteristics. Both of us got messages for the people. I just do mine with rhythm on beat. He do his on a pulpit with scriptures. Well connected, respected in the community. Ever since I was little, I felt like there was some pressure on me. It started off with little stuff like when my folk brought us to church and then they forced us to get up and say a testimony. Getting older, had to watch how I acted in public. Cause people wouldn't hesitate to put that in the Chatting 
chatting like, isn't that the pastor's kid? I'm like, yeah, that's me. But please don't expect me to be exactly like my daddy. Don't discredit my family for how I am. I'm not a little kid no more. I'm now a man. And I ain't pointing fingers. I'm not trying to do no blaming at all. When it comes to how I came up, I wouldn't change it at all. Because it made me. There was plenty times when I thought that it would drive me crazy. But looking back on it, now I see all the job that it gave me. I learned more about why I am who I am on the daily. I know it may sound crazy, but I'm glad that it made me. Yeah, glad that it made me. Yeah, glad that it made me. Looking back on it, now I see all the drive that it gave me. So I'm glad that it made me. We have our own idioms. We we have our own language. We have written our own dictionary and refuse to be bought and bossed. We refuse to bow down to bail. And here's the danger, because whenever you make up your mind to make up your mind, there are those who want to define you. And because you have the gall to step out of the box of their prescribed life for you, what they will do is try to demonize you and try to vilify you. What they will do, they will talk smack about you and have the nerve to call you a racist, to call you narrow-minded, to call you a fanatic, to call you a zealot. Why? Because you have the nerve to be, as Dr. Jeremiah Wright put it, unashamedly black and unapologetically Christian or Muslim, amen, or whatever your faith tradition is. What nerve you got not to worship their God, not to worship their Jesus. And may I suggest to you, like my brother Freddie Haynes said, you got to learn if you do worship Jesus, you got to worship the right Jesus and not the white Jesus. You see, you, 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 you see uh, 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 the right Jesus uh, is an African boy uh, that was born in Northeast Africa. Uh, can I help somebody in here today? I know you're saying, but Brother Swan, that was the Middle East. Uh, let me tell you about that little Miss Oma. Miss Noma, there was no such place uh, as the Middle East. The Middle East came into being in the 1850s when they built a man-made waterway called the Suez Canal that separated what they called the Middle East from Northeast Africa. Jesus was born in Africa, hid in Egypt. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a dreadlock-wearing, table-flipping Jesus. That's the right Jesus. And you see, often in our activism on behalf of the communities of color, we've asked the rhetorical question, uh, and I've been asked this a few times. Folk come on my radio show, they call me up. They ask me this question. They say, well, what if, Brother Swan, what if there was a national association for the advancement of white people? I say there is. It's called America. (laughs) 
What if there was a, a, a united white college fund? There is every PWI in America. What if there was a white history month? That would be January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, and December. What if white people said they were unashamedly white? Well, instead of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, posting it in the blogosphere as a rhetorical quip, uh, you know, when they ask me that question, my answer is simple. Y'all been unashamedly white ever since you stole this country. You've been unashamedly white ever since you kidnapped us from Mother Africa. Ain't never been no shame in your game. Then when we stand up and hold them accountable for the oppression of our people, they want to tell us to go back to Africa. Well, first of all, first of all, my family has been here for seven generations. That means my great, 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 great grandfather was forcibly brought here in chains. Y'all got here a few days ago when grandma came over from the old country. This ain't your country to tell me to go back anyway. Secondly, my great, 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 great grandfather was stolen from Africa. And the last time I checked, you can't return stolen goods. In other words, we ain't going nowhere. This nation was built on our blood, was built on our sweat, was built on our tears, was built on our forced labor. So if y'all want to go back to the caves of Europe, as Martin said, get to stepping. <laughs> but we ain't going nowhere. Now, now just for a moment, just for a moment, I, 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 need for, I need for that great prophet James Brown to come back here and speak from the walls of eternity. And I hope you don't mind if I call on James for just a hot second and say to every Sean Hannity and to every Tucker Carlson and to every Rush Limbaugh and to every journalist who doesn't like us saying we're unashamed of who we are. Can I call James real quick? And James will tell you to say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Young people, every time somebody tries to devalue your work because of who you are, you ought to evoke the words of James and say it loud. Every time they label you as a thug, you ought to evoke the words of James and say it loud. Every time they call you suspicious, you ought to evoke the words of James and say it loud. Every time they call you by any pejorative label, you ought to evoke the words of James and say it loud. And so understand that whenever you're proud of who you are, that others are going to attempt to keep you down. They will attempt to vilify you. They will attempt to demonize you. And if you don't believe me, ask my man Elijah here in the text. Notice, if you will, Elijah 
is vilified and demonized simply because he had the nerve to tell it like it is. And see, I love Elijah because Elijah, my brothers and sisters, appears on the stage of scripture out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, he goes into the palace of Ahab and he tells Ahab, watch this, he says, man, Ahab, your administration is corrupt. And because your administration is corrupt, I'm going to ensure that the last years of your administration are characterized by a severe drought and famine. Uh, You're going to be subject to an economic downturn where you're border on recession. You're going to have a subprime crisis that's going to be so terrible that you will discover that it's not only hitting those at the bottom, but it's going to hit those at the top. And then Ahab, because you're such a lowlife, I'm going to allow you to get in a misbegotten and a mismanaged war that's going to be the end of your administration. Sounds like something we've been through before. That's what happened. I'm not making this up. It's in the scripture. Elijah has the nerve to speak truth to power. I don't understand when prophecy became uh, a prophesying about new houses and new cars and, and, and people's phone numbers and blessing plans instead of prophecy being about speaking truth to power. But isn't God awesome? Because only God can use the jacked up administration of Ahab to set the stage to usher in a new era of hope and a possibility of change. Uh, Let me give it to you like this. Only God can reject the Saul administration, but use Saul jacking up the nation to open the door for David to come in and reign out of nowhere. I mean, where did David come from? Whoever heard of David, David was way... Now, your first warning weather forecast from Western Mass News. A clipper system will bring us a few flurries, perhaps a snow shower, scattered coatings, mainly in the hill towns. And then as we go into the afternoon, we'll see just a little bit of sunshine. High temperatures today in the middle and upper 30s. For tonight, clearing skies, chilly, will fall into the teens and lower 20s. But tomorrow, we'll start with sun clouds increase in the afternoon. Highs tomorrow in the middle and upper 30s. But tomorrow night, we could have a few snow showers as a storm system misses us and passes out to sea. Temperatures tomorrow night in the 20s. And for Wednesday, sunshine mixed with clouds that become windy. Highs in the mid-30s. Thursday, sunshine, cold highs in the upper 20s. With your Western Mass News First Warning Forecast, I'm meteorologist Dan Brown. 90.7 FM WTCC would like to thank the following sponsors of our annual Christmas Party for Children. Toys for Tots, Inspections by Marcos, Spirit of Springfield, Bright Nights, Coffee Cup Bakery, KFC, State Street, Costco's, West Springfield, Golden Corral, Springfield, Major Legends Entertainment, The Crew, The Springfield Black Music Month Committee, Priceless, Faithware.com, Graziano Garden, Old School Pizza, Bob the Bike Guy, Balloons by Carmen. Caring Health and 90.7 FM WTCC. Thank you so much for your support. 
program has been underwritten by the Pastors Council of Greater Springfield. The Pastors Council of Greater Springfield cordially invites you to our annual Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Scholarship Worship Service. You can anticipate a wonderful worship experience led by the DMJ, United Voices of Praise, and a powerful and dynamic sermon by Bishop W. Darren Moore, presiding bishop in the AME Zion Church from Washington, D.C. The worship service will take place on Wednesday, January 15th at 7 p.m. at St. John's Congregational Church. We look forward to seeing you there Wednesday, January 15th at 7 p.m. WTCC would like to thank the Pastors Council of Greater Springfield for underwriting with us. This program has been underwritten by Mass Hire Springfield. Was your New Year's resolution to find a new job? Mass Hire Springfield Career Center has you covered with our Keeping Western Mass Working Job Expo. Thursday, January 16th, 4 to 7 p.m. at the Basketball Hall of Fame. Make good on that resolution. See recruiters from 40 businesses. Join Mass Hire Springfield. Thursday, January 16th, 4 to 7 at the Basketball Hall of Fame. Look for the list of companies at Mass Hire Springfield.org. MassHireSpringfield.org. WTCC would like to thank Mass Hire Springfield for underwriting with us. Good morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the spoken word, Bishop Talbert Swan II. Now, those of you who've been sending me messages about my Make Black Wall Street Great Again t-shirt, check out Authorities, okay? A-U-T-H-O-R-I-T-E-E-S. Check them out on Instagram, check them out on Twitter, and our sister will hook you up, get all of your... It, it, it's the clothing of the movement, you know. Um, <clears throat> get your T-shirts from there. And so whenever you see me on the program wearing one of these T-shirts with a profound message on it, um, that's where you need to go um, to check it out, okay? Uh, so half past the hour, Senator Eric Lesser uh, is going to be coming on uh, the program. And there uh uh, he's going to be giving us a state house update. So let me just set up what's going to happen after that. Uh, we're going to talk about um, uh, Donald Trump's old tweets have come back to bite him yet again. All right. Early Friday morning, there was a U.S. airstrike near Baghdad International Airport that killed Iran's top general, Qasem Soleimani. All right. Um, he directed the assassination without congressional authority. Now, he has since then basically said to Congress, this is how brash and crazy this guy is. He says to Congress via Twitter that his tweets are his official communication with them. So basically, if you're elected to the U.S. Congress, if you're in the House of Representatives, or if you're a U.S. Senator, that the the way you're going to find out, you know, what's going on with this war 
or or this these um, strikes that could lead to war, you're gonna have to pay attention to my Twitter feed because I ain't got to go to Congress and tell y'all nothing. Okay, um, that this is what this guy is telling Congress. He's thumbing his nose at Congress and saying. I don't have to obey y'all. I don't have to obey the Constitution. Um, you know, I don't have to be subject to anything. I'm the king of America. And I can do what the hamburger I want to do whenever I want to do it, however I want to do it. That's that's what he said. We have turned into a dictatorship. This is no longer a republic. This is no longer a, never really was a democracy, but it's no longer a democratic republic. Okay? This is a dictatorship with a madman at the helm of government thumbing his nose and saying, I can do what the hell I want whenever I want to. Y'all can't do nothing about it. You can impeach me, but guess what? I've got a Republican Senate that's not going to remove me from office, and I've put hundreds of judges from the Supreme Court on down that if any of this goes to court, the judges are going to find in my favor. So in essence, he's set himself up as a dictator that is not subject to Congress. That's where we are, ladies and gentlemen, whether you want to believe that or not. Because anybody who can tell Congress, y'all pay attention to my tweets. That's how y'all going to find out if I feel like going to war, I'm going to go to war and the hell with you. And Congress is impotent to do anything about it because the Republican sycophants in Congress are not going to defy this guy. That's the reality of where we are, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, caller. Good morning, Bishop. Eric Lester here. How you doing, Senator? I'm good. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, sir. I'm I'm a little passionate this morning talking about this madman in the White House who basically told <laughs> Congress that I, I don't have to go to Congress. I don't have to update you. I don't have to get your approval. I can do what I want. I can strike against uh, Iran in 52 places, and and you'll find out what I'm doing on Twitter like everybody else. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we've. I know. I feel like we repeatedly say this, but we've hit a new low, and uh, this is this is pretty scary because uh, it, uh, it it it's real life. It's not a it's not a reality show. But um, we just got to get him out of there. I mean, that's that that that's got to be the focus at this point. But uh, it's it, it's it's very troubling times. It's troubling times. I'm glad that you're on it though, Bishop, because. Uh, your uh, your your show keeps shining a light. So we appreciate that. Trying to trying to trying to get the information out there as much as I can. But tell us what's happening at the state house. It's been a minute since you've been on, so give us an update. Yeah, I know it's been a little bit. First, happy holidays to everyone and happy New Year. Uh, it's already snowing again for 2020, so we'll see. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I, I wasn't but, happy uh, to see that when I came out this morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. It, the forecast looks like it's not going to really stick, so let's keep our fingers crossed on that. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I know one of the biggest things we have been talking about for really months uh, on the show was uh, the education bill, which got done, uh, finally got done. The governor signed it, so it's, it's done. 
uh, and it's a it's really a historic rewrite of how the state funds uh, education uh, across our Commonwealth. Uh, for Springfield in particular, ninety million more dollars a year uh, in funding is is going to come after after the bill is fully implemented. Now, the next step here is it's a seven year phase in, uh, and the, and this coming budget year. Uh, which starts uh, in July, uh, is going to be the first year of, of really the ramp-up of implementation. So in a few weeks, the governor will be filing his proposal for the for the FY21 budget, and that'll really be the beginning of making this commitment you know, real and cashing the check, so to speak. But really a historic event. Uh, it was a big deal, really decades in the making. The last time there had been a rewrite of the funding formula like this was 1993, so uh, that was a really big deal, and it was a really incredible um, coalition of people from across the state uh, that worked on this for a long, long time. So that was really a, a piece of good news. Um, we've also finally started to see, you know, the real implementation of the criminal justice reforms that were passed about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Uh, there was a report that just came out, the Springfield Republican had it on the front page, um, that actually uh, teen incarceration rates are at their lowest point in many, many years in Massachusetts, and arrest rates are also going down for the first time, which is uh, a good sign. Uh, and then we've got a couple big things that are... But we, we, we've got to work on that here in Springfield, though. And, and I read that, and I know that arrest rates are going down across the Commonwealth, but they're still highest in this area, and so we definitely have to deal... Uh, with that and and also as part of that um, that reform it dealt with how our schools could um, could interact with um, um, with school resource officers with police officers exactly. that are in schools yeah. and and what had to be in the MOUs etc cetera, etc cetera. and I'd ask people to be mindful of that and to ensure that what's in the MOU here uh, is in compliance with the state law yeah, so I'm actually I'm glad you you pointed that out because the, the the two items I just mentioned and related to your your point on this are all connected. So, for example, the money that that is going to come from the new uh, Student Opportunity Act, it's called. A large portion of that is actually going to be the dramatically increased funding for school resource and what they call social and emotional support uh, in schools. Because what we found is, you know, you could have the science classes, the math classes, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're not um, providing services for people, if you're not providing access to um, uh, behavioral health services, uh, if you're not tackling uh, substance abuse issues in a, in a healthcare setting and in a, and in a social work setting, you're not going to, you're not going to get the impact you need. And you need to coordinate that and really change the culture around how discipline is handled at the schools. So, uh, there's, there's going to be resources, uh, and there's going to be a lot more resources coming in the next few years. So I think this, the next step here is exactly what, what you're saying, Bishop. We're seeing top-line trends that are, are hopefully going in the right direction, but there are still areas, and, and certainly Springfield is one area where the numbers need to get a lot better and the, and the, and the feedback needs to get a lot better, and that has to be around changing the culture with law enforcement, changing how the school resource officers you know, really approach the school communities uh, and lifting up a lot of the success stories we've seen, um, you know, because there are a lot of really, really great um, stories of change and of empowerment happening in our schools and finding those and lifting those up and getting those teachers, getting those uh, those students the resources to then grow out from there 
is going to be really important. Absolutely. So let me let me pick your brain here. Uh, you know, I got to do this because, you know, it just is. You're in the Senate and, hey, we got some high profile um, political races going on here in the in yeah. the, com- in the Commonwealth. <laughs> oh, go. no, no, no. And, and I was, um, I, you know, I had to do an interview with the New York Times uh, about uh, the first congressional district um, with the mayor of Holyoke, uh, Alex Morris, um, taking on the incumbent uh, Richie Neal. Uh, what are your thoughts on that race? Have you have you aligned with anyone in that race, or or, or, or what's the deal? Yeah, so I uh, know I'm glad you asked. It's certainly been a, a talk around town. I, I support and enthusiastically support Congressman Neal, um, have for a long, long time, and, and certainly enthusiastically support his reelection. I like Alex a lot. Uh, I really admire Alex. Um, Alex is a is someone who I've I've looked to for my own inspiration as a young person. Uh, running an office, and I think we can honor that work he's done and and the paths he's broken and brought down himself as a young person uh, and a, and a progressive uh, winning in Holyoke and the change he's brought there. But also acknowledge that I think our congressman Richie Neal, you know, as the chair of Ways and Means, really is in a very, very unique and very important position right now, especially with what we have happening uh, with the, with the president. Uh, I don't think that we can stand to be uh, disunited, so to speak, in terms of responding to that. Uh, Congressman Neal is one of the leaders of the you know, effort of the impeachment investigation. He was one of the committee chairs that helped lead that effort. So, uh, you know, I, I personally am just uh, very enthusiastic about Neal and, and, hope, he, and hope he returns. And, I, and, you know, another example I'd give you of kind of the, the cloud he's built up and the impact he's had is, you know, the Chinese rail factory, uh, which a lot of us have worked on for a long, long time. Uh, the CRRC plant in Springfield, which employs over 200 people and was growing and was hiring more people, uh, was that threat for being to be closed. And uh, he really, it was really him that stepped in, prevented that, got the law changed. So uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting race. So definitely, definitely been watching it closely. But, uh, but Neil's someone who I, I enthusiastically support. Okay, so let's switch over to presidential race. We've got our senior senator here um elizabeth warren and also um a dark horse who who kind of um uh, stepped into the race late uh but we've got also former governor deval patrick yeah. <laughs> uh, who's also um uh, running what are your thoughts on the presidential race and those from the commonwealth yeah well so first off i think um you know for president we need someone who is going to be Trump. Uh, that is really just for me the most important thing. Uh, we absolutely need someone who's going to be strong, who's going to build the movement, who's going to be able to have the firepower uh, to, to defeat him because that to me is the single most important thing that we need to do in the next year uh, in, in our country is, is change who the president is. So I, I really like Governor Patrick a lot. I've, I've worked with him. Uh, he, he's, he's supported me. I just I think he got in a little late, um, and, uh, and I think uh, you know I, I certainly wish him wish him well and wish him luck. But I'm enthusiastically with Senator Ward and have been since she announced. Uh, I've worked with her on a lot of issues. I know you and I, Bishop, have talked about the student loan issues on on, on your show. Uh, she's been someone who's worked really closely with that uh, with that um, issue as well. And I'll tell you actually, just from working with her 
her as the U.S. Senator, myself as a state senator, whenever there's an issue, when there's a veteran who needs help, when there's someone who has an issue with the federal government, when there's a, a project that, that we need help with in, in any of our communities in, in my district, you know, we, we always call her and she immediately responds. Her team is phenomenal. So I think she'd be a great president. And in fact, actually, I was in New Hampshire on Saturday. Uh, we brought a group up, uh, Senator Joe Comerford from Northampton, uh, Rep. Dan Carey from East Hampton, and myself. We brought a, a bus full of people up. It was pouring rain and freezing cold, but we had about 26 people who came up with us, knocked on several hundred doors during the day. We got a, a great, we got great feedback the whole time. Came back very wet and very cold, but very motivated. Absolutely. Okay. Who, who are you, bud? Do you have a candidate? Well, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that was slick. That was slick. We're going to reserve that for me to make an announcement here on the on the program. Uh, 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 But right now, I'm doing the interviewing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, fair enough. (laughs) All right, I want to appreciate you so much uh, for calling in with the update. Give give the folks out there your contact information once again, so if they want to get in touch with you, connect with anything that you're doing. So thanks so much, Bishop. So people can reach me on social media at Eric Lesser on Twitter. You know, you can reach out to me on Twitter or DM us. Uh, you can also reach out on Facebook. It's Eric Lesser M.A. Uh, again, Eric Lesser M.A. on Facebook. On Instagram, it's Eric Lesser M.A. Again, Eric Lesser M.A. Or give us an old-fashioned phone call. The office number is 413-526-6501. Again, 526-6501. Uh, or you can send me an email, eric.lesser, eric.lesser at masenate.gov. Again, eric.lesser at masenate.gov. Uh, or uh, come by our office hours. We also have an office in East Log Meadow, which is 60 Shaker Road. So any of those, any or all of those uh, all of those options work. All right, Senator, good to hear from you as always. All right, thanks, Bishop. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. 413-736-2781. That was Senator Eric Lesser uh, giving us our Massachusetts State House update. So let's 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 continue um, um, on this Iran war thing. So many of forty six minus one's old tweets have surfaced after the attack on Friday where he claimed that Barack Obama would start a war with Iraq in an effort to win re-election. Let me take this call. Good morning, caller. You're on WTCC. Yeah, uh, Senator Lesser. I, You know, I just want to make a point that he's everything that's wrong with uh, politics today, which is why we have Trump. So Senator Lesser is why we, Senator Lesser is why we have Trump. I'm saying he's an example of why we have Trump because he is he he's supporting a, a congressman that's been there for 30 years. Previous guy was there 45 years. We've had two congressmen in the last 75 years, and we know what Eric Lester's got to do. He's got to kiss Richie Neal's ring in order to. Well, who are you? you know, who are you? Su- who are you? Who are you supporting in the race? In which race? Who are you supporting in the first congressional <laughs> district race? 
I wouldn't support any of these Democrats. So you're supporting whoever the Republican is, even if the Republican yes. is, is Charles doesn't Manson. Matter. It doesn't matter. You doesn't know, matter. Just, just vote for the Republican. It doesn't matter. It's like kind of, you know, uh, if it's Roy Moore, if it's a rapist, a pedophile, you know, whatever. Just as long as it's no, not a Democrat, no. right? No, 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 that's not true. No, but, but you know what? We do, have a, we do have a country that's a two-party system. And in Massachusetts, it's pretty much a one-party system. Oh, you don't like that, huh? But you, but, but you won't come out and support your candidate. You know who I support. No, who do you support? Why don't you support? Presidentially, you know I support Donald Trump. Oh, of course you do. I mean, you support whoever the Republican is. You already, you already said that. You, you, you already said it. What, I don't. Let me put it. I'll tell you what. I, I'll tell you who I don't support. I don't. I don't support white supremacists. I don't support uh, rapists. I don't support uh, traitors. I don't support people who grab women by the genitals. I don't support. I don't. I don't support Joe Biden. No, I don't support. Matter of fact, if you check the record, I have been vocally against Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the daddy of mass incarceration. I've been on this show talking against Joe Biden. So, so, so don't, don't, don't get it twisted. Don't act like I just, I'm not, I'm not beholden to the Democratic Party. Okay. I'm beholden to my own principles, but you're beholden to a party. Regardless of how dishonorable and and regardless of what lack of principles the persons in your party have, like Donald Trump, because you can't get more dastardly than him. Good morning, caller. Good morning, caller. All right, caller don't want to talk. Let's try this line. Good morning, caller. Good morning and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Uh, Bishop, um, I have um, something to say. I think that Patrick is doing the right thing by jumping into this race. It doesn't really matter how late he is. He has experience. I also see that I am a black woman. I'm an African-American. And there is no one in your Democrat Party that represents any of my principles or my values. We all have different issues. I know my. So, what principles and, and values? Said, what principles and I values? Well, uh, what I principles and values do they not? Let me ask the question. Yeah. I let apologize. me. Let me hold up. Let me ask the question. I said what, I apologize. What principles and values do you have that they don't represent? Working, respecting people, loving the Lord. Wait, 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 So, so no, nobody who's a Democrat, wait, let me finish the question. Nobody that's a Democrat supports working? No, not, not just Democrats, it's policy. And so for me right now, I voted for Trump. So I did something because I thought I could do something. I kind of I I knew where this was going. Different. So, well, what I'm saying is I don't think that... But you're one of those blacks for Trump, right? I, I'm trying to say I don't think that... So you're one of those blacks for Trump, right? No, I'm saying I am a black... You know I voted for Trump before black came out and voted Okay, Trump. so are you voting but for him I'm again? Saying, are you voting for him again? Well, this is what I'm asking you now because you are the bishop. I don't 
think that it is proper for a senator to get on any any social media or any intercom and tell people who they should vote for. He's a, a politician. That's what well, they do. They ask no, people to vote for stuff. Oh, come on. Be serious. Come on. He's a politician. Since when is a politician not supposed to tell you how to vote? That's what they do. <laughs> Blacks for Trump is like roaches for raid. You know, that's that's what that is. 413 736 2781. So, let me get back here. Um, following the attack on Iran, an old tweet from Trump that wrongfully predicted Obama would do something parallel during his first presidency in order to get reelected began to recirculate. This is what he said. He said, in order to get reelected, Barack Obama will start a war with Iran. He wrote this back in 2011. And in a painfully ironic doubling down, he made the same allegations three times throughout October prior to the November 2012 election. He said, now that Obama's poll numbers are in tailspin, watch for him to launch a strike in Libya or Iran. He is desperate. Then he said, polls are starting to look really bad for Obama. Looks like he'll have to start a war or major conflict to win. Don't put it past him. This is all the stuff he was tweeting. Isn't this, doesn't this sound eerily familiar to the predicament he finds himself in now as an impeached president whose poll numbers can't seem to get past 40, even though he keeps lying and saying they're at 50%? Doesn't this sound like his situation right now? Absolutely. So what does he do? I'm going to start a war with Iran. And, you know, hey, Congress can't do anything about it. Now, even though he said himself that Obama needed congressional approval to strike Syria, now all of a sudden he says he doesn't need congressional approval to strike Syria. Iran. And 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 here's the deal. There is a receptive audience for an armed conflict with Iran. And the most accepting of racism in America, the most hostile toward Muslim, those who voted for Donald Trump are the most likely to be in support of an armed conflict with Iran just because. Think about it. 15 years after America invaded Iraq, there's still this limited understanding uh, of the ways that comfort systemic racial inequalities and racist attitudes toward people of color and how it translates into support for war. The most prominent supporters of the Iraq war and other interventions in the so-called Middle East, they often let their mask 
slip off. You know, you, you look at people like Thomas Friedman, um, who said that the purpose of the Iraq war was to tell the Arab war, the Arab world to suck on this. He, he admitted that it had nothing to do with weapons of mass destruction or, or anything like that. If you remember, Christopher Hitchens um, spent the later years of his life defending the Iraq war on right wing media and claiming um, that the term Islamophobia was just designed to promote criticism of Islam, um, you know, to the gallery of special offenses associated with racism, basically said no such thing as Islamophobia. And in, in, in today's culture, you know, uh, the anthem for the Iraq war, um, if you remember, it was the country music artist Clint Black who sang the song Iraq and I roll that our troops take out the garbage for the good old USA yeah this is this this is this this is the stuff that that has been said and has been uh, promoted in the culture and then of course you have you have um, right-wing uh, evangelicals like Franklin Graham who swore George W. Bush into office at his first inauguration, if you remember, who denounced Islam as a very evil and wicked religion, as has Robert Jeffress and John Hagee and, 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 and so many of them. And that approach lives on today. Um, um, and there has been documented studies that have been promulgated um, to show that racial animus underpins the imperialist designs of conservatives and those on the right. Um, that, that it's no thing to attack black and brown people. You know, we're going to go into Panama. If we go into Africa and attack man, uh, 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 man if we go into Panama with Manuel Noriega, um, or we go into Africa, into Libya with Muammar Gaddafi, um, you know, or we go into Iraq with Saddam Hussein, or, you know, any of these places where non white people exist, they have no problem attacking them for frivolous reasons, for non-existent reasons, uh, preemptive strikes and such, and the so-called patriots in America, your white, conservative, right-wing, Republican arm, are gung-ho about supporting our troops, supporting our president, supporting our country when it comes to random attacks on black and brown people that have no merit and are not in the best interest of the nation. Just straight imperialist design. Um, um, it, 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 we know Iraq was more about oil than it was weapons that still haven't been found. I mean, um, these politicians perpetuate racial hierarchies. Um, and that's what it has to do. It has nothing to do with their so-called articulated hawkish views. Um, um, it's their racial attitude. 
that affects their attitudes about when America should send troops abroad. Um, and as I, as I said, there have been there have been studies that have studied the ex, the acceptance of race, what they call the acceptance of racism scale, which measures how much someone agrees or disagrees with statements like white people in the United States have certain advantages and that racial problems in the United States are rare or isolated situations that people who normally agree with these things um, 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 are placed somewhere along the racial scale and those who place certain places on the racial scale are the most likely to endorse different justifications for the use of military force like weapons of mass destruction like Mike Pompeo saying that the general that they murdered was planning some attacks and so we needed to kill him was planning some attacks really and this is the same military intelligence that that Trump doesn't believe when it comes to anything else but now all of a sudden uh, you know they're trying to come up with an excuse that sounds to me like weapons of mass destruction just make up something to justify what we did or what we want to do. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. Good morning, caller. Hey, Bishop. How are you? I'm good. How are um, you? I'm, I'm listening to you. You're well-informed. You know, the con- uh, the audience that you're probably speaking with so can't understand the concepts that you're giving. You're talking over them because you. you I, I'm up with you. But um, they can't understand the last concept that you just gave. That is the crux of the problem. Understand? Was with, well, there's a, there's a theory that white people—they're not bad; they're just ignorant. Okay, and and all this is based on ignorance and their domination of what they want to do is dominate the world and control it. This last act that Trump just pulled in assassination opens up a new chapter in warfare whereby all countries now, leaders are now they're all up for it's, it's, it's all a, it, it, it was a war crime. The bottom line is this. Is. You, you cannot just decide that in any nation that uh, there's a military leader or a political figure who doesn't like America and he might be planning something against America. So we're just going to kill him. We're just going to order his assassination. And this is this is traditional American imperialism. You can go back to the assassination of of Patrice Lumumba in the Congo and 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 then they and then after they assassinated Patrice Lumumba, they propped up Mobutu Siki Siko and 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 he only came to power with America's support. Then thirty years later, uh, when he's gone, all the American papers talk about this brutal dictator that's finally out of power. And the ignorance of the American people was that they didn't know the history of the fact that it was America that put him in power in the first place. You can go to Iraq. They they made. They, right there. Didn't they, I tell you they're not bad people? They're just ignorant. Well, well, well they, they made Saddam Hussein into a monster. 
But they didn't he tell you. What they didn't tell you was George Bush Sr., when he was over the CIA, recruited Saddam Hussein to fight against the Taliban. And the reason Saddam Hussein came to power was because of America. And then they flipped the script. Stop right there. Stop right there. The Shah of Iran. Let's talk about that. Absolutely. We're getting ready. We, the Shah of Iran was propped up, paid well, paid extremely well for years. Matter of fact, over 40 years to, to control and suppress the people, his own people, so that, uh, suppress his own economy, so that the United States can, in, can, can work their influence in and around that area. Iraq, Iran, uh, 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 and as you stated earlier, the, the Middle East was, was not the Middle East until they built the Suez Canal. And they, people need to understand that, okay? Absolutely. Um, then, then you can flip and you can go to when the Taliban was fighting against Russia, all of a sudden America loved the Taliban and supported the Taliban. And the reason the Taliban went into power in Afghanistan was because of the support of America. The reason Manuel Noriega came into power in Panama was because of the support of America. And then America, when they fall out with you, they label you, they use propaganda against you, they make you into a dictator and all of that. And then the gullible American people buy into it without understanding that America created these monsters across the world. One last concept. When chickens come home, the roost. And I leave it there. Thank you very much, Bishop. All right. Thank you for your call. That's what Malcolm said when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, that the chickens have come home to roost. I'm not going to have time to get into this anti-Semitism executive order uh, we'll probably try to tackle that next week. Good morning, caller. You're on the air. You know what, man? You guys are hitting it on the nail, man. Uh, at this point, I've been following um, the narrative of your uh, story. And um, at this point, if you look at what Trump is really trying to do, I think he's really trying to get in and now to bomb those uh, nuclear facilities. You know what I'm saying? Well, we call to him withdrawn... That's what I believe. I mean, uh, they're lying and saying that he's targeting cultural sites, which would be a war crime, which would be a war crime. I mean, you're going to target random cultural sites and and put civilians at risk and that kind of thing. That's crazy. Uh, But 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 that's what I really think, because they have been wanting to start a war with Iran for a while. And the folks that Trump has had around him, even though he let Bolton go, but a lot of these guys, the uh, they, they are war hawks, and, they've been, and Iran has been in their eyesight for years. Yeah. And you know what, man? I'm looking at, okay, now that um, they got the uh, ISIS under control, now all of a sudden... Um, that the Shiites were helping, and the same general, whatever the one they just assassinated, he was assisting them. Now all of a sudden, he turns to be an enemy. All of a sudden, you know, and then they, you know, this come on now. This, they, like you said, they're turning, opening up a whole new chapter now. Now, just like you said in um, your byline, there's going to be leaders, other leaders, thinking they can take the same posture now. You know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a dangerous precedent that has now been set to where uh, basically 
Trump has been able to thumb his nose at Congress. He's been able to say, I, I, I don't have to comply with your oversight. I don't have to give, I don't have to answer your subpoenas. I, I, I don't have to uh, allow you to have any level of oversight over the executive branch. I can do what I want, when I want, how I want. If you impeach me, so what? The Senate won't remove me. I got these Republicans on lock. I got them under my thumb. They're scared I'm going to tweet about them or say something bad about them or or destabilize them in their local elections. So they're going to do whatever I say. So I'm going to be in office anyway. And I don't have to abide by the Constitution. I can go to war when I want to. I can order strikes and assassinations when I want to. He has wanted to be a dictator for so long. He has admired Kim Jong-un, and he has admired the dictators in China and uh, and Putin and Russia and others I for so long. Does. And now he I has finally gotten to the point where he has now become one of them, and Congress yes. is impotent to do anything with this despot. Yes, man. I can't say any more than that. The past state of affairs is where we're at right now thank you for your call take care brother that's where we are ladies and gentlemen that's where we are the united states of america can no longer talk about democracy or being the beacon of hope and democracy in the world when we've got a dictator just like they do that's the reality we've got a dictator who can defy congressional subpoenas can avoid getting removed from office because he's got loyal sycophants in the republican party that are running the senate that are afraid of him he can thumb his nose at congress and tell congress i don't need congressional approval to go to war you'll find out what i'm doing when i tweet about it just like everybody else and Congress can do nothing with this guy. And if they go to court, because Democrats were complacent in allowing Mitch McConnell to get all of these federal judges approved, there's hardly any court you can go to in America at the federal level that won't side with the Trump administration. So you can't beat him in court. You can't beat him in the Senate. So we have a dictatorship in America. In three years, it's been transformed into a dictatorship. Whether we want to believe it or not. When that clown said, I can go out on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody in the head, and my people will still support me. He was telling the truth. And not only will his people still support him, but the Republican Party will still support him. The Republican leaders in Congress will still support him. They'll say, ah, oh, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't anybody important that he shot in the head. I mean, just like they did with this, with this, with this quid pro quo, with this bribery call. 
um, with the president of Ukraine. Ah, it's not a big deal. It doesn't rise to high crimes, misdemeanor. Ah, I shot somebody in the head. That's not a high crime or misdemeanor. This is the attitude of the people in power about Trump. He has successfully transformed this nation into a brutal fascist dictatorship. No better than Russia. No better than 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 Iraq or Iran or any other place. That's where we are, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I know you don't want to hear that, but that's where we. Are. Good morning, caller. How come your loyalty to Obama was it was the same thing? We're loyal to Obama. Obama, 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 Obama told Congress he thumbed his nose at Congress and told him to hell with you. I'll go to war when I feel like it. And you'll find out about it on Twitter. On Twitter. Did he do that? Did 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 Obama did Obama say the hell with you? Uh, I'm going to ignore congressional subpoenas. I, I'm going. I'm going to wait. Shut, I, we yeah. both ain't going to talk at the same time. Did Obama ignore congressional subpoenas? Uh, 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 I mean, I, are you really comparing Obama to this madman in the White House? Or are you just gaslighting again? Oh, you hung up <laughs> as usual. Um, uh, you can't compare the two. You can't compare the two. Okay? Obama did not order assassinations of military generals in other countries. He did not announce on Twitter that if y'all do something, I got 52 of your sites all queued up, ready to bomb them. He did not get on Twitter and threatened to blow entire countries off the face of the planet. Stop it. Good morning, caller. Yeah, yes, good morning. I just want to weigh in on the subject that uh, right, you're speaking of right now. Um, I've been saying right along for a long time. Um, these people that Trump is, or however you want to label it, has to realize the people that they're making little puppets is already done here in America. And like you say, uh, Putin, uh, Young Young, or wherever those foreign people are that's uh, dictators, that's exactly where our president, so-called the United States, wants to be. And if you got enough of these little weasels or whatever we want to call it, crawling around in the grass, sucking Trump's thumb, People need to wake up, and all these people that support Trump better put their eyes on exactly where we are in this country and do the right thing and get this guy out of there. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. You're the last caller of the day, and you hung up, so you missed out. Listen, coming up next is James Lewis. He's coming up with mid-morning jazz and great black music. If you're looking for a place to worship, check us out at the Spring of Hope Church of God in Christ. We're located at 35 Alden Street, Springfield, Massachusetts. The Brick Church right there at Six Corners. Prayer at 7 a.m. Sunday School, 9.30 a.m. Morning Worship at 11 o'clock a.m. Bible Study on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. And this Friday, we'll have a fellowship service with Pastor Hall um, and the um, Abundant Life Church of God in Christ from Concord, New Hampshire. 
So if you're not busy, stop by at 7 p.m. on Friday night and join us in our fellowship service. I got to get out your way. We'll pick up on that executive order, anti-Semitism executive order, because you really need to know that that's not about anti-Semitism. It's about white supremacy. Um, So I got to move out your way. Until the next time I talk to you and you talk to me, always remember, God loves you and so do I.
say his name, John Crawford, say his name, John Crawford, what you say his name, Michael Brown, 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 what you say his name, 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 say his name. 